Good morning, everyone. Glad you are here and hope that we have a wonderful morning in worshiping our God, praising his holy and majestic name. Real quick, I wanted to say that um, you're welcome to join our group. Our group is going to be going over to Brookdale at 1.30. We're going to go to Jason's Deli first and uh, have lunch over there. Then we're going to go to Brookdale. There's about 18 of us that are signed up to go. And we're going to sing old hymnals, the traditional ones, because the residents there, it's, that's in their wheelhouse. So that's going to be something that, that will be very appreciative of them and, and hopefully good for us to encourage the men and women that are there. We're going to be meeting in the lobby at 1.30 and have um, a, an hour of singing during that time. One thing also I wanted to mention, um, three weeks from yesterday is our luau that we're going to have at our place. And I, I say this every year, but it seems uh, no one's really taking me up on the offer. Take me up on the offer. You see people on the side of the road that look like they could use some food, pick them up, bring them. I mean it. Uh, I want everyone to be able to enjoy this luau, and we have people in our community that, you know, these kinds of parties that we enjoy with our time, we get to, to do that with them and hopefully give them some good news in the meantime. And uh, I hope that you'll take me up on that offer. And lastly, and this is the most excited I am, I, you know, I get excited about certain things. This one is the best yet. I say this because Will Brown, many of you know his story, right? He's lived a life with, from homelessness. Um, he'd been incarcerated. And, you know, even as a brother in Christ, there are times when he just struggles with his walk with the Lord. Last year, he tried to join, about, I think we have 20, 25 of us that go now into the jail. Uh, he tried to join us so they could be a part of that work where we go and teach good news in the jails in, in Davidson County, among other places, and he was denied. Uh, three weeks ago, I've saved his recording. I was not able to answer my phone. I had a brother in Christ hyperventilating, giving me a message that he is able to go into the jail and share God's word. Today's his first day. And so he's, gone, he's not here. They've gone up uh, to Davidson County. Uh, DCSO. And so I'm sharing that with you that you may rejoice with him that what a great, great transition in his life that you're seeing taking place. And if you get a chance to talk to him, encourage him because he, well, right now he doesn't really need the encouragement, but encourage him anyway, because he's already on cloud nine. So, and he's like, I get to come home today. So I was like, yes. All right. Sermon on modesty. Um, you know, when I hear this sermon, from time to time, I'll, when people ask, what are you going to preach on? And I'll give them the title, and okay, I wonder what's going to be about this or that. And usually, you know, Mitch throws us for a loop about whatever he's teaching. And, and uh, well, here's one on modesty. And a typical response from some is like, about time. <laughs> and the other typical response is, again? And others are like, oh my, what is Mitch going to teach on? And, and so I'm wanting us to actually look and see what, again, the scriptures are teaching and what the scriptures are not teaching that sometimes we impose into the scriptures. And so we're looking again at the subject. And if you noticed, I didn't know what graphic to put on for modesty. So I was able to Photoshop a one from another that I saw. And notice you already see the intent. What modesty is associated with. 
when you see the hanger, right? And of course, for some of us, as we study the scriptures, is that what the scripture was dealing with? Was that in particular? And what is the emphasis for us today? So that's kind of what we're looking at. So playing on these words, it's a revealing issue. We're naturally, we're talking about modesty. But the focus, if you go back to the passages that we're going to be looking at in 1 Timothy 2 and in 1 Peter 3, which was read for us by Sawyer, you're going to see that the focus on modest adornment or modest apparel today is not the same focus as it was the first century. There are similarities because we're talking about apparel. That's the one similarity. But the focus seems to be very different, right? The first century focus was on this outward adorning of all this expensive jewelry and gold. And then taking the time to braid their hair. And, and by the way, I don't know what the average woman spends on their hair today, time-wise, little on money. But it was very common in the first century that it was a problem with the, the woman of the day to spend two hours on their hair getting it just right. And they would braid it. And after braiding it, I don't know how it's done after you braid it, but they would curl it after they braid it. Now, I know braiding because I've got sisters and I've got daughters, lots and lots of sisters and daughters. And so I get to see all the braiding, but I didn't realize two hours is what you put into a hair. I mean, there's that, there's that country singer that says waiting on a woman, that's a long wait, <laughs> right? But that's the kind of time and effort that was put in. And so we're gonna look at that, that cultural backdrop when we look at these passages and see if we can get some sense of why the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy and why the Apostle Peter is saying it to Christians about this focus on modesty with regard to this um, adorning of jewelry and hairstyles and so on. Today, our focus when we deal with the term modesty is not so much the outward adorning of jewelry. It is very much about the lack of clothing or the kind of clothing that really sticks to the body, that accentuates the form, right? So that's the focus that we have today. And so we're going to get into the principle of that in, in the future. But just think about it from a contextual standpoint that our focus is a little different. All right. And so when we look at the principle of what this modest adornment looks like and what is appropriate in all cultures, I believe that can be applicable for us. And so that's what we're going to tackle this morning is this application of a principle. Okay. So we're going to look at the hidden person of the heart because that's where everything's going to end. You've heard sermons on this already. Um, so that's what we're focused on is this hidden person of the heart. And what does that look like in its application on the person who is the person who wears the clothes or the other person who looks upon the person who wears his clothes? Okay. So keep that in mind as we go forward with this. So read with me 1 Timothy 2. I, I know you've read it many times, but we're going to read it again. And we'll see if we get what Paul is saying to Timothy, right? And in the context of which Paul is writing to Timothy, Right, so 1 Peter chapter 2, if you noticed, just as we were looking at when we were doing our real mini-series on the church, and we're talking about uh, when the church comes together, right, and how there's a lot of tradition involved in what we do today from a mandated standpoint, like the Lord said and he commanded and so on and so forth, and, and we don't necessarily see those commands. But here, 
Notice this actual teaching. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 2 of when Paul writes to Timothy. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. I exhort first of all that, that all supplication, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. So he's talking about this prayer. And he desires then men to lift up holy hands when, when praying for these individuals. Verse 8. And then right on the heels of men who would be in this seemingly, and again, I'm reading into this a little bit, but it seems like when men are here, here's what you do. When the women are here, here's what you do, kind of a thing. So it almost seems like when you do come together as a church, although it's not stated so explicitly, okay? In this passage, he says, men pray for all these individuals, lifting up holy hands, and in likewise manner, verse 9, in likewise manner, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And he qualifies modest apparel. He says, with propriety and moderation. Right? So this New King James translation. Propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing okay so he's saying here's what i want whatever this this looks like this propriety and moderation that's what i'm wanting and he doesn't qualify it very specifically he qualifies it generally but generally you get the point because this other thing that we're going to be talking about that is very specific is in excess it's not in moderation and he definitively says not like the braiding of hair and i've just mentioned to you the practice so what you had was um you had the royalty right the kings queens and so on and so forth um people who were elites and they had the financial means right they they would fix up their hair in just absolutely ornate ways and the average person would want to follow in line with the trend of the day not unlike today with all our styles. Thing was, so much time, so much labor, so much value was emphasized on the braiding of the hair, on the gold jewelry, and on the fine apparel, that that was like an emphasis. And what he's saying is, that should not be your emphasis. He qualifies what the emphasis should be on. Notice what he does go on further to say. He says, not with braided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly clothing, costly clothing, but instead, which is proper for women professing godliness. That's where the, the energy, the labor, right, the value is focused on, on professing godliness with good works. So you notice the play on words. Not laboring for this, but laboring for that. It's like in John chapter 6 when God, uh, Jesus was saying to his disciples that were following him. He says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for that which is unperishable. What he's not saying is, don't eat food. Don't labor for food because if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. So we know what he's saying. He's saying your emphasis, your focus needs to be on spiritual matters not on the flesh. And what was happening was, seemingly so as the women came together with the men and they were assembled together, that, that emphasis was on the flesh. 
and it was way past moderation. And he's saying, that's not the focus. It is almost as if the women would one-up each other in this fashion. So that was what was being said here in Paul's letter to Timothy. Now, go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, naturally, is the contrast between the husband and the wife. But he uses the role, if you will, of, of these women with regard to a contrast of a spiritual meekness or the fleshly ostentatious. Okay? So that's what we're seeing here in 1 Peter chapter 3. So in the middle, well, let me back up to verse 1. Wives, likewise, just like the likewise of the previous text, he, said, he says, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So notice what he's focused on already, the conduct of women toward their husbands. That when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, they may be won over. So here's this chaste conduct. And he further qualifies this chaste conduct in this manner. He says, do not let your adornment, wives, be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Peter's context is exactly like Paul's in a totally different scenario. Generally in, in women in 1, Peter, uh, 1 Timothy 2, and now specifically with wives before their husbands and just life in general. He says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, or instead, let it be the hidden person of the heart. Let that shine through. Let that be that which is noticeable, that seems to be the focus of your life. It is with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, I don't know about you, but in the first century, I don't think there was anyone that would have an issue with what was being said. And they would go about and, okay, let's, let's try and practice these teachings that we see here. But this is 2,000 years later, 20 centuries later. And in the 21st century, the number one reaction I am presumptuous about, because I've read enough articles, is why are these men picking on women? Anyone else think the same thing as me? I'm the only one. I'm shocked. See, okay, one person thought the same thing as me. Anyone else? Then two, three. Okay, so one person, well, someone else raised their hand. Okay. I'm shocked because we live in a culture that is recognized as, as with a feminist movement. So I would naturally would assume, well, what about men's modesty, right? What's interesting is the women are specifically referred to with regard to the clothing. Notice who's specifically mentioned with regard to looking. Women aren't the one addressed about lusting after men. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And certainly it doesn't mean that men cannot dress immodestly as well. The focus happens to be on women in these two passages. Okay, so we can principally take and apply this passage beyond the scope of women and apply it to men. Just as we can principally take the passages that talk about men not lusting after a woman and apply it 
vice versa. So what we're looking at then is what is these New Testament or what are these New Testament scriptures actually dealing with? And very clearly, he talks about what he wants. He wants proper clothing. I mean, apparently, the clothing was not proper, right? In that there was so much time and energy spent that there was a focus on the flesh and not on the spirit. It is no different than when Paul says to the brethren at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, verse 18 in particular. He says, do not be drunk with wine, verse 18, but be filled with the spirit. Contrast between the flesh and the spirit. Here, don't focus on the flesh, focus on the spirit. Not on the outward man, but on the inner man. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that means you cannot wear jewelry. You cannot have nice clothing. He's not saying any of that. He's saying, where's your focus? It needs to be on the inner man, right? So the focus is on modestly and discreet clothing, which shows your heart through good works. That's what he's focused on. First Peter, he's focused on the hidden person of the heart, which shows through by a quiet and gentle spirit. And a quiet and gentle spirit does not mean you're shy or anything like that. It just means that you're not ostentatious. You're not loud and look at me and hear me roar and all that. It's just, I love God. And I want you to see it through my life. Okay? So that's the teaching that is given in these two passages. So when we look at the issue then, naturally we're talking about the heart. Notice there were no lines given. And this is where I mentioned to you in a few, uh, two or three sermons ago, when we were dealing with the church series, how I used to have a line that I thought you have to, this is, this, you pass this line and you, you're going to lose your soul. And, and so some would say, well, Mitch, you've kind of been loosened up on your teaching. I'll admit I have. Not from a standpoint that I love the Lord any less than 5, 10, 15 years ago. Actually, I would say that my love continues to go closer to the Lord today. But here's the thing. When Paul wrote to Timothy, did he say, I want women to have a clothing that shows the flesh or not show the flesh at a certain level? Because he did not. But we, we do it. And it's not wrong in and of ourselves to impose upon ourselves lines. Right? The question is, where should the line be? And if we were to go and, and pull every single individual, male, female, young and old, the lines would be different. You might have some general trends among those of us who are older in this congregation and those of us who are younger. You might have some general trends between males and females as to where they should be. You might have trends between women who are mothers versus women who are single versus women who are very young and single, unmarried. So you're going to have differences. How do you support it? And the only biblical support that is explicitly in Scripture is this right here, hidden person of the heart. And we get in trouble, brethren, on two sides. We get in trouble on the person that says, God didn't give a line, so you don't judge me. And Mitch, you gave that sermon, what, three weeks ago about judge not, Matthew 7, verse 1. So you guys don't have any business judging what I wear. It's between me and God, my heart. And then the other side is, if you have a good heart, wouldn't you be more modest? 
And then the question is, what does more modest look like? Does it look like you? Or does it look like your neighbor who dresses more than you? Or that neighbor who is just from head to toe covered? You don't even see their eyes, basically. Or maybe that's all you see is their eyes. Because we have neighbors like that, that dress this way, right? For religious reasons, or maybe for whatever personal reasons, okay? So you're going to get those two. So where's the line? On which side is it, right? I was raised, as I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, no, more, no higher than the ankles. Don't show anything beyond that. You're showing too much flesh. That's how I was taught as a brand new Christian, at least. And the, the family that taught me that loves God, truly, genuinely loves God. And some of you would think, well, that's kind of too much. But what happens when the person says, yeah, but I'm okay with it to the knees? You know, how form-fitting should it be? Because remember, we are in a culture that a generation or two ago, maybe here in Nashville, you couldn't wear women, you couldn't wear pants, right? Coming to church. And in some places today, you still are strongly encouraged, even by elders in certain congregations, that women wear dress only, no pants when you come to church. That's, that's taught from place to place. And so these are the differences that you get. And if you're getting at the heart of it, you're going to have to really think through what's being done. And, and you really get into some sticky situations that even if you have the authority, like let's say our, our shepherds, our elders, decide women starting on September 16th, Sunday, no more pants, right? Let's say they just made that. Would they, is that usurping their stand as, as elders? Some say yes, some say no. I mean, you really start to really get hairy in these situations. But here's what you can do. You can check yourself right here. Where's your heart? And be as honest as you can be. But that honesty extends beyond yourself. And that's the real focus of this sermon. I think what I've, I've read so many articles um, like, for lack of a better term, Christian women type magazines and blog posts and what have you. I forgot the girl's name. She's real young, very outspoken about women modesty. Her name is Rachel something or other. And um, she talks about a one-piece swimsuit. And some of us will go, that's not modest enough, right? You need to have the T-shirt. And for guys, too, you have to have the T-shirt. And, and you, you know, you don't want form-fitting because people are going to lust and so on and so forth. And so... Where do you get into how you apply this? And this is where I said to you, some of these articles have backlash articles because they're always focused on, well, then the women are always the one that's responsible for how the men think. The women are responsible for their own dress. What about the men? Double standard. And to that double standard, the men are saying, women, you're causing me to lust or you're making it hard for me to to think straight thoughts because you're exposed in some way. And some of those, and I wish I had the video. I just didn't want to pay $15 for it to put it up here. But um, there's a, a short little video I wanted you to see. And it's basically along the lines that even some men at church services, like men that pass around the, the fruit of the vine, the unleavened bread, or maybe with the contributions. And they're looking down, and here's a woman sitting down, and some, some of their clothing is exposed. I mean, these are things that take place Sunday to Sunday. Right? And if it's that, or maybe it's the skirt so high, or whatever the situation is, these are all issues that men face with. That's a reality. 
And on the men's side, it's like, I wish you wouldn't do that. On the women's side, I wish you wouldn't look. And then they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. How do you actually deal with that? So we're going to deal with it. Here's what love does. Love really is the answer to this situation. Me as a man, I need to think the best of the women in what you all are wearing or quote unquote maybe not be wearing. I really need to think the best of you and not the worst of you. I saw um, there was a, a picture of a woman and she's kind of got this long black dress, but it's got that, I don't know what you call it, right over there. <laughs> what is it called? A slit. I have daughters in, anyway, I still don't know what it is, but that, that slit. And it had labels for if you had it way down here, the slit was there all the way and it goes up higher and higher. And I don't want it because of our children here to show it, but it gives you a picture. And here's the, the labeling in the heart of an individual looking at someone else where, where that slit goes. And we can be easily judgmental. Even if our desire is to be right with God, it can still happen. All right. So instead, what I need to do is I need to look at these individuals with their best interest in my heart, in my mind. Okay? And the flip side is going to be true. I, instead of saying, man, you get over it, I need to be thoughtful of the boys and the men. Okay? I'm going to be as completely transparent with regard to what it was like for Mitch Davis as a young person and even right now. Okay? So young person, I was not raised in the body of Christ um, I didn't live the life of a, a child of God, but I can tell you what life was like for me. And maybe it's not unlike many of the other men who've not put on Christ. Kanapali Beach, I'm Maui. That's where I went to high school in Lahaina. And, and so we'd always go to the beach. And I'd have shades on, dark shades. You couldn't tell where I was looking. So naturally, because I don't want to be like pervert, I would look straight ahead. But I was a pervert. I would look to the women because they were scantily dressed. And I would look and look. And I would try not to look like I'm looking and looking. But that's, that was me, young kid. Um, in fact, there's a place on Maui. Jimmy Fraser's not here to be embarrassed. But he and his wife went to this very place I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Some of you already know where I'm talking about. So Big Beach, McKenna Beach. Little beach, naked beach. Jimmy didn't realize he was going to naked beach. I went. So here's the thing. There's things, and this is part of the reason why, if I can be as transparent as possible, why there is over a 65% rate of men who go to wherever the evangelical church description of a conservative um, Christian twice a, uh, twice a week going to church services every week on average and all these things that would qualify as a conservative over 65% looking at pornography now, that's not sobering research very clear men's brains attached to uh, the sight of women and their bodies and without going into anything, just it, it affects us. 
And so whether we like to or not, admit it or not, the research is there about that. But we don't need research to tell us life. We can see what happens in life. It's where sins come into play. Sins because men act upon lust. Um, and on the flip side, there are women that, in fact, use their bodies as a tool, as a, as a means of power. That's a reality. It has happened. It will continue to happen. If we as individuals who say we love God, we love the Lord, we're wanting to be faithful to him, we check our hearts at the door and saying, where is it at? And am I mindful not of how others look at me, but how I'm going to help the situation, whether it's a person who looks upon another person dressed a certain way or the person who is dressed a certain way? Are we intentional about what we do on both ends of this issue? Love is intentional about it. Love does not look upon my sister to lust after her. And love does not cause me to be a stumbling block to my brother or my sister with the way I dress. It works both ways. There is no answer, one-sided answer to this. It's not a, a male issue. It's not a female issue. It's a, it's a brother and sister in Christ, a male and female issue. And I'm telling you, if, if we're going to ever try and address this individually within this body here, we start with me. You look at yourself. Don't, don't take this sermon and start looking over across the aisles. Don't do that. Look inwardly. And if every one of us can do that, we'll be better for it. And I believe this would be the most biblically sound answer that you can get without going too far to the right or too far to the left. Too far to the right where we make up rules that says the Bible says and it cannot be above the knee or else you lose your soul. Or so far to the left where, hey, willy-nilly, whatever you do because you have freedom in Christ. Love doesn't do either of those. Okay. So people adorning themselves, consider the people who might be looking at you. People who do the looking, consider the person who adorns themselves. Think the best of their situation and not with this judgment. Okay? When we do that, then we fulfill this principle. This principle is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And naturally, the context of this passage is dealing where the man has this woman's, uh, the, this man has his father's wife. They're in an, an affair relationship. And so this very adulterous affair is, is very different in 1 Corinthians 6. And so we are told that our bodies, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 through 20, is a place where God dwells. And if you truly believe that God dwells in you, that your body is a temple, and that there is no place for the temple of God to have anything unholy, Right? all that temple needs to be holy, then you will respect the principle where you love your brethren in, in what you do and how you do it. And of course, Matthew chapter 5, you know, men do not lust after a woman. You've committed adultery in your heart with her. That's the passage you're getting. That's the reverse side, right? So whether it's by adornment or how we look upon the other person for the Lord, our bodies are a temple for the Lord. We walk with him. We walk with him because we love him. He, he washed us in his blood, cleansed us, 
made us new creatures in Christ Jesus so that we do things that are different than the way this world works. We don't follow Cosmopolitan magazine that says, here's how you deal with a modesty issue. We deal with from a biblical standpoint. And biblically, we do it with love. That's a very, very biblical answer to this problem. And I hope it works well for you. Now, if you're here this morning and you consider these things that we're talking about, you know, this is an issue that takes place in the body of Christ. Last time I did this sermon, you could actually go back to our church website. It's been about five years ago. And so maybe it is overdue. But this, pra- this principle of how we love one another, which will manifest itself, practically speaking, from the person dressing or the person looking, needs to be practiced by all of us. And if we do that, we will be well. Now, if you're not a child of God, I want you to think about this. The passage of Scripture that says that when you come to Jesus, you humble yourself before him. You die to self. This is what that looks like when you die to self. Not, it's not a bunch of rules that says you can do this, you cannot do this. You have to do this, you cannot do that. It's a matter of transforming your, not, your mind and having it renewed in a manner that honors God and loves your neighbor, loves your brother and your sister. That's what's, that's what's at stake. That's what God wants to do to change your heart, transform your mind, to be holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service or worship. If you're willing to do that, he will add you to his kingdom if you humbly come before him. You can do that now, or you can come and have prayers, or we can pray for you as together we stand and sing the song.